What's the goal of the FNF Coaches Podcast? We want you to learn something. We want you to hear from the best coaches in high school football, and we want you to grab a pen and a piece of paper and jot down notes that help you improve your program. Welcome back to the FNF Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Thanks again for listening. Our FNF Coaches platform includes our website, fnfcoaches.com. Visit that to get all of our latest stories on program building, culture. We have X's and O's content on that site written by other coaches. We have videos with at-home workouts. We have coaches breaking down film. Visit the website, fnfcoaches.com. You can also subscribe to the magazine on that same fnfcoaches.com website. You'll receive the magazine at your school or home in 2021 for just $19.95. That includes five editions. Also, finally, for the purposes of the FNF Coaches podcast, subscribe at Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. We're on TuneIn. Any of your preferred platforms, the FNF Coaches podcast is available. We're excited to share today's podcast with our guest, Iowa high school coaching legend, Tom Wilson of Dowling Catholic. Coach Wilson is one of the best out there in terms of winning and program building. He won state championships in seven consecutive seasons before that streak ended this fall. We took a deep dive with him on culture building, and Coach Wilson talked about the steps he took to establish that culture back when he was hired at Dowling Catholic 16 years ago. He talked about a point system he has for off-season participation for his players that keeps everybody checked in and engaged during the off-season. He also talked about the structure he put in for a feeder system, making sure kids are enjoying it and sticking with the game all the way up until high school. And he also talked about some required reading he has for his players before they go to camps in late July. As an athletic director, he set up a booster system that serves all sports in his school. It's a very informative podcast. I think you'll agree. Thanks again for listening. And without further ado, here we are with Coach Wilson. Tom Wilson has established one of the most dominant programs in the country in his 16 seasons as head coach at Dowling Catholic in Iowa. With eight state titles to his record, Wilson trails only Harlan's Kurt Blatt for career state championships as an Iowa high school head coach. Coach, welcome to the FNF Coaches Podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. We, we're focusing on culture this week. It's our culture week at FNF Coaches. And I know a lot of coaches look to uh, kind of legends in the coaching community and people who have won multiple state championships as people who are great advisors in terms of setting that culture. Now, I want to go back in time to when you first got hired at Dowling Catholic and uh, how much of a priority you made establishing that culture. What were some of the first steps you took uh, to establish the culture for the for the program? You know, I think one of the first things uh, for me is, is when I took the job, I knew I was taking over a program at a school that had experienced success in the past, had a terrific history, uh, to be honest with you, and they had, I think it had been about four years since they'd won a title and maybe dipped down a little bit uh, the year before I had come. Um, so I wanted to embrace the history of the school and the history of the program. And um, I felt that that was going to help us build things for the future because there were still a lot of people in this community that remember those times and were a part of those times. And um, so you know, I think a lot of times coaches will, you know, they want to start new and they want to, you know, start their own history at schools. And I think if if you happen to take over a program that has been rich in tradition, uh, why not just try to be part of that tradition? And I guess that was the philosophy that I took. But um, after taking the job, I, I think one of the first things you start worrying about is your coaching staff. And, and uh, I was fortunate that I was able to, interview everybody that was currently on staff that wanted to come back and and uh, there were no strings attached that I had to keep this person or that person I could basically uh, pick and choose what staff that I wanted uh, it sounds better than really what it is because you know you don't always have teaching positions available for you to to fill certain uh, coaching staff positions so um, it was uh, kind of mix and match uh, there for a while and then, uh, obviously, when you take over a new job, you try to get there as soon as you could. And I was no different. I was basically here without my family. And 
have nothing to do more than to worry about the football program at that time. And really, you want to establish your your work ethic and what your expectations are from the get-go. And I, I think uh, making sure those are out on the table uh, for your team uh, that happens to be coming and, and also those parents. And I think another thing is really important is to become familiar with what the philosophy is of the athletic department. And, and I think through an interview process, I had a pretty good idea of that, but sometimes what you hear and what the, what's the truth are two totally different things. And so uh, for me, I wanted to, to get a feel for the other coaches, head coaches of other sports uh, to see what their thoughts were about multi-sport athletes and, and sharing kids and how that is done and, and uh, have a systematic way of doing that. So Really, in the first few months, it was more about let's get the right people in place, let's get the right mentality in place, and get everybody on the same page so we can get to work. Right. Yeah, and I want to go in depth on uh, a few of those things that you mentioned. The first is embracing the tradition, and I've heard of coaches kind of putting up plaques and pictures of former teams and championship teams uh, in their locker room. I've heard them having uh, alumni come back and speak to the team, things like that. What are the things that you did to really show that you were embracing the history of the program? Well, one of them was uh, the person that really built Dowling Catholic football to what it became uh, was a coach by the name of Jim Williams. And Coach Williams was here uh, for probably 12 years as the head coach. I'm completely guessing on that time frame. And then went to Iowa State as the offensive line coach. And uh, then he became the head coach at Simpson College, which, which is a Division three college just uh, south of here in Indianola. And he had been retired, and I'd known him from the from really him recruiting our schools that uh, that I was at. Um, and so I had dinner with him uh, really to talk to him about the youth league because he had started the youth league back when uh, he was the uh, head coach here. And by the time we were done with the conversation, I'd offered him our offensive line job and. Uh, keep in mind, Coach Williams was really in his 70s at that point. Um, and so basically what I did is uh, brought back the guy that, that uh, built the program. And, and uh, I think you have to push your ego out of the way. I wasn't worried about having the former head coach that was considered a legend to be on my staff. I considered it to be a tremendous benefit to me. And uh, up until this past season because of COVID he's been with me ever since. So he spent 15 years with me uh, on, uh, on my staff and this past year he wasn't, but that helped me a lot to understand really how the program was built, really the importance uh, steps that had taken place in order to build it. Uh, and, and so I had that knowledge around me all the time when I had questions. You know, the other thing, you mentioned uh, bringing alumni back to talk. We have done that. Um, I think that's a terrific way to not only stay in touch with a lot of the alumni that you may or may not know very well, but it is uh, a, certainly a flash from the past and, and to keep them involved so they continue to have pride in the program. Uh, there was another uh, coach that was really on Coach Williams' staff and then uh, took over the program uh, after – Coach Williams had left, and then uh, I got to know him very well. He had grandkids uh, in our school. Uh, found him to be a great resource when it comes to the history of our school. And there was a, uh, a team that we had a few years ago that I didn't feel – I thought they were just playing the game, and I didn't feel that they understood what it really meant to represent Dowling Catholic High School and the – the football program and being part of the history and the tradition of it. I didn't feel like they really respected that enough. So I had uh, coach Nizzi come back, talk to our team. And he went way back into the day where it was an all boys school and talked about the merger with the, uh, with the uh, female school and, and uh, really about the history and the building of the program. And it was phenomenal for our kids to understand that, and to understand that they're playing for something and someone bigger than themselves. And uh, I thought that that was really critical, especially for that team. So um, I think anything that you can grab a hold of, if that's the avenue that you take to really embrace the history that the program has had way before you becoming a head coach, 
can greatly benefit you, not only with your current teams, but in the uh, the eyes of teams of the past. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, another part of establishing that culture is rounding out the coaching staff. And you had a lot of freedom in putting that in place and getting the right people uh, that were kind of like-minded in what you were trying to do. When you're interviewing coaches for assistant coach positions or position coaches, what types of questions do you ask and what are you looking to hear from them to know that they're on the same page as you in terms of the the team culture? You know, uh, for me, it, it becomes pretty simple as, as I'm going to dig in far enough to see how much passion that they have for the game itself. And I've often said, you know, I look for football junkies that are passionate about kids and the rest of it, I don't care what their expertise is. If they have those two qualities, uh, we can we can win with that. And, you know, so I don't think it takes long to figure that out. I, I can tell you a true story that I was once interviewing a coach and you start he starts talking about kids that he's coached and, and uh, he starts getting tears in his eyes just because of the memories uh, that he has of that and how far that those student athletes had come uh, in the time that he was with them. He won me over at that point in time. I didn't care if he knew how to coach linebackers or not, that if he had that much passion for kids and, and their futures and their well-being, I think uh, we've got ourselves a very good coach. So in terms of questioning, I think a head coach has to, to figure it out what it is that they want. And, and as I mentioned, it really came down to two things for me. Is are they willing to really dig in deep uh, as a football coach and spend the time necessary that it takes to make themselves better? And are they really willing to spend the time with the kids uh, and be passionate about their well-being and, and, and making them better people along the way? If we have those two things, I think uh, we're well ahead of most. Yeah, absolutely. You can work or, you can work with the rest. You can teach X's and O's. So when you're when you're showing that work ethic to the assistant coaches, how do you model that behavior? Do you have to be the first one in and the last one out, or is it going to clinics? How do you model that behavior and show your work ethic to your assistants? I don't know how a person can be a head coach and not be the hardest working guy on the staff. And as you mentioned, um, you need to be the first one in uh, to greet everybody, whether it's a staff meeting, whether it's a meeting with parents, whether it's a meeting with the kids. Uh, I, I think that that's extremely important to show that you're willing to roll up your sleeves and go to work step by step uh, with those along the way. I think a lot of times, especially as coaches get uh, further in their career or as they maybe they elevate themselves up to a bigger job, uh, there's a lot of more people around to help do things, maybe the, the grunt work that uh, coaches in smaller schools have to do and don't think twice about it. I think uh, some coaches think that some of that tough work is for somebody else. And um, I, I, I cut my teeth in, in smaller schools, and I grew up in a smaller school. I know what that world is, and I don't want it to be any different at any time. Um, mm-hmm. I want to, to show that uh, I'm willing to put in the time, willing to work, and, and do all the things that uh, anybody else would do. And no matter how long I'm in this, I don't want to act like I'm too big for any menial job. So. I do think that's important. Uh, assistant coaches, uh, I'm so lucky here that I've got people, as I've described, and, you know, with your staff, it doesn't, it may not happen the first year or two or even five years uh, that you're in a job. I think you have to be patient and constantly working uh, to, to round out your staff the best you can, and I never want to turn a, a good one away, and, you know, I've got guys that coach football here for very little to no money because, of the program that we have in place and what they believe in. Yeah, absolutely. Now I know part of establishing that team culture is setting expectations for your players and assistant coaches, and then making sure that they're held accountable to that. What is your process for explaining your expectations? Is it a team meeting and and what, what gets said during that meeting to make sure that everybody's on the same page? Yes. It's typically on a team meeting type setting. And now, you know, all of us around the country, COVID has is, is made that a little bit different. It may be via Zoom or Google Meet by now. But um, I think you have to be as transparent as you possibly can and um, lay your expectations out for how you want your team to act towards teachers in the classroom, in the hallway, in the community, 
what it's going to look like in the weight room, what it's going to look like in the practice field during our, our speed work, uh, what you want practice to look like. Um, and then I think you have to go about holding them accountable to that. And, you know, this far in my career, I've heard every excuse possible of not how, how, why they can't do something. And really the, what we try to do is eliminate excuses. And by that, you know, in our weight room, we've, there's so many options for them to, to be able to get their work in. And, you know, you might have a kid talk about an injury. Well, we've got, we've got protocol of how you handle that uh, with our trainers, with our, our team doctors and with our strength coach. So basically we've got, we have our I's dotted and our T's crossed. And so, you know, being transparent of what you expect. And then, you know, I think a lot of times coaches are worried about, well, you know, I'm going to hold people accountable, but then one of their best players starts doing their own thing. And, and, uh, coaches get a little bit of gun shy of, of trying to hold that kid accountable because what are they going to do without their best player? And, uh, I learned a long time ago that all of us are going to have kids that way. And, and uh, if you're going to try to win with kids that you can't trust or kids that aren't going to do the things that you asked them to do, you're probably not going to win in the long run. So, uh, for us, holding them accountable in their attendance, in their work ethic, uh, in their behavior, and our kids aren't perfect. We have kids like everybody else does, um, but at least our kids know they're going to have to answer to somebody and they're going to be held accountable uh, other than their parents at home. Right. And like you said, we, we've all experienced those uh, you know, elite players or very talented players who uh, don't expect to be held to the same standard. What do you do in that situation to hold them accountable at, or would you consider kicking them off the team or is it, or do you try to work with them to make sure that they're meeting those expectations? You know, we absolutely try to work with them. And I, I think that's part of the teaching, guiding, mentoring process. You know, if somebody doesn't get it right, get it right away, well, that's not uncommon. You know, I can tell you our freshmen now, uh, they don't get it. There's some of our sophomores, they don't get it, but that's, uh, that's why we coach and that's why we try to mentor. And obviously you go to great lengths to try to get kids to understand. And, you know, once you exhaust all of those possibilities, you can't want it more than the student athlete does. Um, and you can't put one person above what your team's going to be and what the team expectations are. And if you have to cut somebody loose because of that, you have to do it. And there's nobody in our business that likes to do that. But sometimes again, that's what's best for the entire team. Right. Now, you had mentioned, you know, not accepting excuses because there are so many options available to the players in terms of their strength and conditioning. And uh, what are the options available? Like, how would a coach structure that so that there is no reason for excuses? You know, what's really important for us, and this is this is how we're structured, and I'm not sure it's it's any better than anybody else's, but it works for us. And we have, <coughs> excuse me, in-season, out-of-season athletes. A big thing for us at a school of 1,400 that, you know, competes at the, the highest class in the state of Iowa, we need to have our best athletes out for multiple things. And the word specialization is is not even something that I really want to discuss in our school, especially as a, a football coach and as an athletic director. And so, you know, I think a lot of times coaches will say, yeah, I love multi-sport athletes, but then you get two coaches that conduct workouts or practices at the same time. And what's the kid supposed to do? Um, and so really what we do is try to structure all of our calendars. Um, so there's, we reduce as much conflict as we possibly can. So if a kid wants to be a two sport athlete, three sport athlete, we try to make that possible uh, through our scheduling. The other thing is, is with our, strength and conditioning program again it's in season and out of season and uh, our kids are going to lift year round and if they're out for a sport uh, it's the responsibility of the coach that's in in season to get them in there at least two times a week if they're currently not out for a sport they're an out of season athlete and that means they're lifting for us three times a week and also speed and agility twice now um, the other thing for that is we have in our curriculum at school, we have a weightlifting one and a weightlifting two. That helps us tremendously. We also have AM workouts and PM workouts. So with all of those opportunities, you almost have to try not to get in there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have our kids sign up for their workouts and things like that. 
attendance is taken. It's kept throughout the course of a year. So uh, we're going to know pretty uh, pretty well of uh, who's working and who isn't. How do you staff those, uh, you know, early morning and evening uh, sessions? Do you have a kind of a rotation of coaches? Great question. And I, and I get that one, uh, honestly, a lot. And, and uh, there's not many benefits of being the AD and the football coach, but that's one of them because that becomes the, the expectation is that off-season-wise, we're in this together. And uh, this morning, we just had a speed and agility session. During the course of that, you obviously, you've got football coaches sprinkled through there. I've got girls soccer coaches there. I have boys soccer coaches there. I have baseball and softball coaches there uh, all during that time and all working together, uh, rotating our athletes through those stations. So I think it's really, really important to have everybody on the same page and working together. And sometimes you'll get a young coach and that will say, you know, and it could be in January and, okay, when do I get my volleyball team uh, into the weight room or when do I get our softball team into the program or into the weight room? And, you know, to me, they're an off-season athlete, so that's when we're doing it together. I really don't want to divide up into individual teams. You do that in a school our size with the weight room the size it is because it's not big enough. Uh, we won't get everybody in there. So the, the biggest thing for us is to – have some unification and work together. Yeah, absolutely. Now I know yet the the other day we had spoken a little bit about uh, just kind of touching on the culture of your program. And you had said that in the off season, you set up a point system and uh, it's kind of, you're, you're giving credit for things like uh, off season lifts, uh, joining in a, in a speed and agility workout, either, you know, within the program or outside the program, GPA, can you can you go into a little bit more detail about that point system, how it's scored, how different things are weighted, and uh, how that's presented to the players? Yeah, I've uh, I've probably used this point system for uh, twenty five years of, of of my thirty being a coach, and um, you know the one thing that I would say is I think in an athletic department. Uh, and obviously that includes the football program. The most important thing is unification of program. So if I'm going to do that, I feel like I have to support the kids in their efforts in going out for other sports and which, and the work of which they do. So within our point system, um, take their grade point average and take it times 10. So a kid uh, gets a three point grade point average. That's 30 points for, for the first semester. We would do the same thing for the second semester. They go out for another sport that's a Dowling Catholic sport. Now, I'm not talking AAU basketball or or uh, anything like that. I'm talking a Dowling Catholic sport. They will get 15 points. Uh, the, the one that's different is track. And so for track and field, we will give them 20. And a big part of that is I just think it's the, the sport that's that's best uh, for them to become a better athlete. So we reward them for that and their participation in that. You mentioned the, the weight room lifts and speed and agility. Uh, that's one each. And that's not just off season. They're getting uh, credit. So let's say a kid goes out for basketball. He gets 15 points for that. And all, they're also lifting two times a week throughout the course of the season. They're getting credit for all of that. Um, different football camps that they go to, they get points. Um, our, our camps that we have here are weighted more than that. Um, so to make a long story short, our varsity kids have to reach 190 points uh, in the uh, off season, and then uh, our younger kids reach uh, 165. The biggest difference, really, is the amount of opportunities. We we do more things varsity wise for them to earn points. That's why it's the difference in the points. I didn't used to do it that way. That's really a last 10 year type thing. So. Um, so somebody always asks, okay, what, what happens if they don't make the, make their points? Well, it's not like we're kicking kids off. Um, really what it does is then they have to do makeups to, 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 uh, to earn those points. Now call it what you will. It's, it's really to earn points back. It's doing a lot of things they don't want to do, whether it's requiring a, a lot of running early or after practice, those types of things. Um, you'll have some coaches that say, well, don't use running as a punishment. Well, I'm going to tell you, I've done it for 30 years and it's worked out fairly well. So 
uh, we'll probably continue doing that. And, and uh, you know, for us, it help, holds kids accountable to their consistency in the work. Now, the point system is set up that if you've got a kid that is really a low achiever in the classroom, that means they're not turning in homework, they're not showing up to school, or they're not consistently coming to uh, workouts, and they don't go out for any other sports, they're going to have trouble making it. The kid that's an average student that stays consistent and is involved, never a problem. So it's uh, it's really been good to us. I will never change it, and uh, it's helped drive our program for a long time. That's great. Yeah, I spoke with uh, Coach Holmes yesterday from Bishop Miege in uh, Kansas, and yep. he said uh, he said he connected with you last off season in kind of a, a you know a training in terms of uh, mentoring, program building, that type of uh, opportunity. Is that something that you do with other coaches? And what what how does that play out? What is that process like? Well, with Coach Holmes, and and uh, he's a terrific football coach, by the way, and and uh, I think we got together, I don't know if it was four or five years ago, on the clinic circuit. Uh, we happened to be talking at two or three of the same clinics here in the Midwest. Um, and so uh, we started talking, and, you know, now we keep in touch and kind of follow each other's programs. But um, you see a program that's been as successful as what his has, um, you certainly want to learn what he's doing. And so um, really it, it starts out of just asking questions and, hey, I'm looking at, you know, something and mentoring our kids or it could be X and O wise or how do you handle your parents in this situation? Um, and then before it's all said and done, you know, we're either talking on the phone or it's email or, or you know, we'd see each other at a clinic and things like that. So we've had some great uh, conversations uh, through the years. Uh, more recently, uh, you know, their girls came up and played ours in basketball uh, a couple of years ago, and we, we get a chance to sit there and, and talk about different things athletically. So bounce, bouncing ideas off someone like that is uh, is priceless. Yeah, absolutely. And do you, are you, is it more, you know, connecting over the phone or when you see each other in person or are you, are you going over X's and O's or what, what do you typically talk about with him? You know, to, to be honest with you, he and I have not uh, got into X and O wise a ton. We have some, uh, you know, I'd listened to him talk about uh, his passing game uh, at one time. And, and so I started asking questions about that. And then, you know, we were seeing a front, uh, during our season uh, that was kind of giving us a few fits and things like that. So, you know, I would send him an email and give him a diagram and say, Hey, tell me what you, how you would attack this. And, and uh, he would certainly help me there. And, you know, there's uh, probably four or five guys that I, that I would reach out uh, for something like that. And, and coach Holmes is one of them. I, as I mentioned before, I think he's a, a terrific coach and has done a great job there at Bishop Miege. Yeah. He said one of the things he gained from you was the idea to do exit interviews with each player at the end of the season. What types of questions are you asking players in the exit interviews and what do you gain from that? Uh, one of the absolute best things that we do. And uh, part of that is, as I think we as coaches uh, oftentimes are telling kids so much and we sometimes we don't listen. And, and uh, you know, our kids that are outgoing, uh, they're going to be seniors. Um, that can be, okay, what's your plans for college? You know, some of them may be going on to play. Most of them don't, which is fine, but it's okay. What's your plan and how can I help? Uh, talk to them about how their time was in their pro in the program. What was some of the highlights of their time in the program? Is there anything that you think we can do better? Uh, did you feel prepared week to week and going into ball games? And just talk to them about their overall experience. Um, that's really not the time to to tell them, Hey, you didn't do this or you didn't do that. It's, they've got no way to, to make that up now. So, but with the kids that are coming back, um, it's more about some of the same things here. Are you interested in, in, in college football or tell me about your experience? Um, we give our kids uh, really a list and they rate themselves from effort to knowledge of the offense, knowledge of the defense, importance of special teams and then the coach also rates that. So we can compare and contrast really what they think of themselves and what uh, their position coach or me as the head coach thinks. Um, and then we spend a lot of time of, okay, this is 
what you did for us in the past in the program. This is where we see it going in the future, but this is also what we need to have you do off season wise and things like that. We also talk to them about other sports and whatever they may be doing. So uh, the big thing is more relational than anything else, getting to know the kids and what their thoughts are. Uh, a perfect example of this is you know, we go to a team camp uh, at Central College uh, nearby and uh we would take two teams there and we'd divide the teams and we would tell the kids, you know, it really doesn't matter right now, you know, what team you're playing on, you're going to get a chance to prove yourself and things like that. This was several years ago. Well, I had a kid in an exit interview tell me, you know, coach, you always tell us all these things. And I, and I do believe you're paying attention to all of us and all of us get a chance. But if you really look at it, the varsity staff is with one team more than the other. And I got to reflecting back and he was exactly right. And so for me as a coach, I learned from that. And I took that information from that postseason meeting and our coaches know now that I want all of us around both teams in equal amount, because I don't want a kid to ever have to tell me that again. Hmm. That's interesting. You mentioned that camp. How does that, uh, is the entire team going on that camp? And uh, what it, what is to be gained from that? What what are your goals when you do the camp every year? Really, it's uh, our juniors and seniors. And, uh, and then I will fill in position-wise and things like that uh, with some sophomores. Uh, our point system factors into that as, as well. Um, but really what we want to gain is being together. Um, and we sure we can do the X and O stuff and all of that, but uh, it gives us a chance to be around each other, talk about a little bit about our goal setting and things like that of, of really what we want to accomplish. Uh, there's been some years where we've concluded our book reads there. Um, we do book reads in the off season with our juniors and seniors. Uh, chop wood, carry water is is what we use for our juniors. Pound the stone is what we use for our seniors. Um, that's been a great move for us. I just talked to a coach the other day that, you know, they have their freshmen use chop wood, carry water, which honestly is the perfect timing to do that. Um, just for us in our program, um, the junior year has is, is worked best uh, for us. But sometimes we would conclude uh, those book reads at that time, which gives us a chance to have a big team discussion about some of the lessons that we have learned. So, um it's probably more team building than it is anything else, but we obviously do get to, to coach a little bit of football and get a head start on things. That's great. And you're doing that in August or is that late? July? Uh, that's usually late July. Okay. Uh, this year uh, we've, we've implemented a dead week in, in the state of Iowa, which is the last week of, of July. So uh, it'll be moved a little bit sooner uh, than that this year. Yeah. Were you able to do that in 2020 or no? We did not. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was a little bit more difficult, obviously, in 2020. Things changed a lot in a lot of different areas. So really what we did uh, during the COVID world is had a mini camp here. Hmm. And and we were able to more focus on us, you know, because you go to those team camps, you have to hurry up and, okay, what are they running? And you try to have to, you know, get some adjustments installed on the fly and whatnot. Uh, but for us, we were just able to, to focus on us and, maybe do some drill work and working on things that once you get into the year, you don't have as much time for. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned the way things have changed. Um, and also when you were doing the individual meetings and exit interviews with players who are sophomores, juniors, and they talk about, Hey, yeah, I would like to play college football. What, what is different about recruiting here now that, you know, there are not so many campus visits and you can't have, uh, you know, college coaches on your campuses how have things changed and what are you doing to get these kids looks that um, in a difficult time? Well, you're right. It's hard. Um, really what I've advised our kids to do is to get video of, of workouts and, you know, they may be, you know, out in their yard doing things to, well, you know, during the quarantine, that's what it was. And they buy a you know, few cones and they're doing their own workouts Um you know, that's really what our tight end did that is going to the University of Iowa is that he sent out really his workout film. And then obviously game film is still going to be uh, what's most important. But I think since they can't get on campus and you can't get on theirs, 
as much video as you can send them, the better off you'll be. Yeah. So you've got a guy ready to continue the <laughs> Iowa tight end tradition. They've had some good ones at the University of Iowa for sure. Yes, they have, and and hope he'll do okay. It'll be uh, it'll be fun, and he'll get uh, coached up, and he'll become the best version of himself he can be. That's great. Um, now, what in terms of culture? You, you had mentioned a one team in the past that maybe didn't uh, embrace tradition as much as some others, and that you thought that was a priority. What are some other challenges you've encountered in terms of establishing that culture, or from year to year? I think all of us, and especially at a private school, we've got kids that, you know, we get 90% of our kids from our, our feeder schools, and then you get, you know, the rest of them come in from wherever. And I think especially initially is getting everybody on the same page to buy into things. And in our youth program, you know, especially it's changed in the last couple of years, but they were always competing against each other, and now they're going to compete with each other. Uh, so to me, if getting them to understand what our program stands for. And we've got a pyramid of success, you know, I, I guess for the listeners to just relate it to something like John Wooden's pyramid. Um, it's not that, but it's, it's our pyramid. And, and obviously I beg borrowed and steal and stolen from others uh, to come up with that pyramid. But these, these, this is really the foundation of our program and this is how it's going to build up. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, when you're done with four years, you're going to have left a legacy here. And, and what's that legacy going to be? And uh, I think the sooner we can get buy-in from our parents and our players throughout our program of that pyramid and how important they are, uh, it is to our future success and also their development of, as a person. Um, and, you know, another thing that I've stolen through the years is, you know, I had it made on a card, that pyramid on a card. And then on the flip side, it was really some reminders of, you know, being respectful to women and how they act in class. And, you know, if you ever need me, here's my phone number and things like that. So they can just carry it with them all the time. And uh, once you start doing small things like that, I think they realize how important you true, how important you feel it is. And uh, I think you're going to get more kids to fall in line. And obviously, parents, you start giving those life lessons, uh, parents are all in on those types of things. So um, there's a lot of great ideas that people do out there to, to promote their culture. And I think as much as you can do that, the better off you are. You know, I think another thing that coaches do a lot, and I, as a young coach, I'd spent too much time on this, is figuring out, okay, what's, what's our slogan for the year? You know, what are we going to put on the poster? What's going to be on our camp t-shirt and things like that. And I, I went through that process and, you know, the one year I came and it's probably 10 years ago, uh, I came across team first, you know, two words that simple. And that's how I've always tried to run our program as I, you know, I've, I, I don't make a big deal out of somebody being a thousand yard rusher or 2000 yard rusher or how many touchdowns somebody scores, because at the end of the day, it takes the team in order to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Well, as soon as I came across team first, I've never changed anything on my t-shirts or what's going to be on the poster. It's the same thing every year. Mm -hmm. And because I couldn't find anything that would ever be any better than those two words that reflects what we try to get our program to be. Yeah. And you mentioned the pyramid and, you know, it being different from John Wooden's pyramid. What are the focal points of the pyramid and how, how does it differ? Yeah, it's, it's really about your attitude, about your selflessness, about perseverance, about your behavior. Uh, obviously, being a private school, we can openly talk about our faith. All of those building blocks that are important of your character and your work ethic that at the end of the day, that's going to help build your legacy. If we all end up uh, working at it together. Right. And in terms of the feeder program and the youth uh, at the youth level, what is the, your high school staff's involvement with that in terms of, you know, setting up the structure? Do you, do you pass down X's and O's? This is how we practice or how involved are you? Uh, very great question. Um, and it's something that when I got here, uh, you know, there was some in, in our Catholic football league, there was some eager 
dads and, and they wanted direction and their heart was entirely in the right place. And, uh, so sometimes timing is everything. And, and, uh, so I went to work with them, just what I wanted it to look like. And us, like everybody else has tried to decide, okay, when do kids play tackle football? When is it best? Uh, you know, how long do they play flag football? And, you know, we have a modified flag, uh, here as well, but it's, all of those things are easy. It's really, you try to get to trickle down, take the pyramid, for example. Well, you want the, the our Catholic Football League, in our case, to reflect our high school program and really trying to build character and using football as a tool to get the kids excited about participating and boosting self-esteem and, and creating friendships and all those types of things that are important socially, the football will take care of itself. If we can make a kid enjoy being there and feel confident and have relationships and, and things like that and get them to progress in the program, uh, you've got yourself a chance. So we have a board. I sit in on that board more as a advisory role. Um, all of our coaches um, are attending games periodically. Uh, we get questions all the time of X and O wise. We have a, a kid's camp. We have a coach's clinic, uh, those types of things, just to stay very involved and be able to answer questions whenever we can. And if there's things I don't like, I can go to our president and we can discuss it. But, you know, by now in year 16, things are, things are run pretty well. Yeah. Sounds like a great structure. What about in terms of the high school support system? Do you have a booster club uh, that helps you with fundraising and things like that? And how do you set that up? You know, our booster club is is probably different than, than anybody else's because when I got here, uh, honest to goodness, you know, 21 sports, there were 21 different booster clubs. And I couldn't even wrap my mind around that because just as you described, every place I'd ever been, there's one booster club, you make a request you know, they divvy out, you know, the money, how they see fit. Really our business office and me as the athletic director uh, control really what our booster club uh, does. Now we, we raise money obviously like everybody else does, but really it becomes part of our general budget and it helps with uh, equipment. Obviously it, it could help with coaching stipends. It can really help with any expenses within the program. One of the things that we did that was uh, different this year, along with our advancement team here at the school, is, you know, we had one day uh, where we were trying to raise a lot of money for our for our booster club. Um, obviously, for all of us around the country, uh, the pandemic's made things uh, a lot different with reduced crowds and increased expenses, and especially with things like transportation and, and whatnot. So, uh we went after uh, people uh, in one day, and there was a lot of buildup. Uh, we happened to, <coughs> excuse me, have three guys playing in the NFL right now. Well, we got them involved. Um, our uh, uh, at Drake University, the women's coach is a Dowling Catholic uh, graduate. We got her involved. So really, they were able to tell their story and, and their excitement to be involved and to, to help us out. Uh, during these times so our kids can continue to participate. So we just made a, made a big deal out of that day with a lot of kids that have come through the program and had great experiences. Um, and it was a terrific day for us. And uh, we felt very good about being able to, to raise funds to make things more comfortable. So this year isn't any more different for the kids experience than it already has been. That's great. Now, was that, was it take, take the form of a pep rally or a zoom meeting or like how did, how did you... it was all all done through social media oh and, wow and it was it was uh it was what really i'm not smart enough to figure that out it's really our advancement team uh helped put this together and really we started you know i've been here long enough now that you start having young adults that are very successful in their in their uh, career now and that had a great experience here and would attribute the experience that they had here in one of our programs to why they're where they're at. And that becomes a great story. And, and uh, you know, that's something that we've also done through the years, you know, kind of back to the, the football side is that, you know, you might 
it might be as we enter the postseason. Um, there's really two things that I have done through the years. We put we put a video together of uh, state championships of the past, and we will get kids talking, and, and most of the time they'll have their championship ring or rings on, and they're talking about what the playoffs were for them. And, um, again, getting kids to realize that it's not just them they're playing for. They're playing for the entire community and the tradition. And you show those kids those videos the night before a ball game, and, and it, it has an impact uh, on your kids. The other thing that, that I've done, and I started and I got to this kind of by accident, we we won our, our first championship in, in 2010. And uh, that was a big one because it had been a while for Dowling, and, and it was my first one after being in championship games and, and not winning. And it was a, a really big deal for a lot of us. And so we go to the, back to the championship game in 2013, and I start texting every kid off that 2010 team, just telling them, you know, appreciate what they've meant to the program, and, you know, we're going to go try to get another one to, to join the championship fraternity. And that has taken on a life of its own. Um, and our kids, uh, our alumni kids that have played for us, get really jacked about being part of that. And the night before the championship, when we play in one, they've told me they just trying to figure out what time I'm going to send it out. And <laughs> it becomes a, a pretty good stream of, of text messages. And then that's really led to me before our semis and, and state championship games is bringing speakers in. And a lot of times it's been some of these kids that have won championships for us. And, you know, one of them, He's trying to be a doctor. Another one's an engineer, and they've been out of the game for a while, and, and you can see the juices flowing and the excitement that they still have for Dowling Catholic football and what it meant to them and still means to them is something pretty special. Yeah, that's a great tradition. I'm sure they appreciate you know being included in the program and staying connected that way, too. Um, is there any in terms of, uh, you know, either 2020 due to the pandemic or even just, you know, new technology? Is there any new piece of technology that you started using, whether it's an app or, you know, equipment or anything like that that's helping you as a coach or helping your program? Well, it's, you know, Zoom and Google Meet is something that I didn't have to spend a lot of time with prior to this. <laughs> right. Now it's great. But, you know, we did a lot of our, our meetings virtually. Um, we had kids send us workouts because we wanted evidence. Mm -hmm. And uh, that came in a lot of different formats. We have now gone to the platform app for our uh, strength and conditioning. The pandemic had everything to do with that, yeah. um, just because it allows us to have a plan for when they're home or when they're here. Um, and I didn't feel like prior to that, that we had a very good plan for when they're home. And so I wasn't ever going to get caught like that again. So the platform app is is something that we're still working our way through and I think uh, is going to be of great benefit to us, especially if, unfortunately, get another shutdown. Yeah. Is platform the name of the company or is that, it was? It, yes. Oh, it it's, is. Okay. Um, and then mentally, have you found uh, that anything has changed with your players, um, you know, do, either due to the pandemic and so much getting canceled, or has there been anything that you've been doing in terms of monitoring uh, mental performance or mental health this season? You know, uh, that's a great question, and it's 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 absolutely scary. It's a need. Um, I would say it's easy when school's in session because you can look up kids. You know, just prior to me hopping on, I had, had a list of three kids that I wanted to check on and contacted them to – to stop in. So really what our staff does is uh, they have check-in points with kids and their position groups, and they will check on them just to see how they're doing, you know, whether it's home, grades, mentally, all of that stuff. But I just think it's open lines of communication. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been great having you. I think this will be so helpful to other coaches as they look to establish a similar culture to the one that you have at Dowling Catholic. But thank you so much for joining us. You've been generous with your time. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, certainly happy to help if, if coaches want to reach out. Uh, that's how I learned, and uh, there are no secrets here. So appreciate you doing this.
Absolutely. Take care. Thanks so much. Yep. Thank you. Thanks to Coach Wilson for joining the podcast and talking with us about culture. Follow him on Twitter at Coach T. Wills. That's at Coach T-W-I-L-S. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to give the pod a five-star review on your preferred platform. The FNF Coaches Podcast is an AE Engine production. step here this episode is brought to you by forney industries get it done with green forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines metalworking accessories and more for do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers forney has everything you need for your next project shop forney's top of the line products at forneyind.com that's forney f-o-r-n-e-y ind i-n-d.com or at an authorized forney dealer near you